It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Thank you for listening to this Belly Up Sports Podcast Network product. Some said we'd go belly up, so we made it our name. And we're still here. Coming up on the Behind the Mic Podcast, 49ers quarterback Brock Purdy, third stringer. He has been very good, but it got me to thinking, who are my favorite backups in the history of the NFL? You're behind the mic with Michael Neal Jr. All right, we're back. It took me long enough, right? This is the first show of the year? Yeah, it is. And I'm recording on a Friday night of all things. I mean, we just had too much going on uh, during the course of this week, uh, the holidays and everything. And so I just had to do like the Bills and the Bengals and just had to postpone but not cancel. Had to push this thing back but not cancel uh, the show. So, uh, But we're here. We're here. It's Friday night. It's going to drop later on tonight. You'll wake up Saturday morning ready for week 18, the final week of the NFL season. And then a uh, quick turnaround for me. I had to turn around. And we'll be recording again on Tuesday. But we're here. So, hey, uh, NFL historians and lovers of sports history, Happy New Year to all of you. Welcome in. This show is for you guys and for the ladies. Uh, it's cool if you already know this stuff. Congratulations. There's always someone who does not know this stuff. Just remember that. If you've never listened to this show before, this show is for those who don't know as much about NFL history. So we are here to do three things. That is enlighten, teach, and learn. It is the Behind the Mic Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Neal Jr. This show is presented by Belly Up Sports and the Belly Up Sports Podcast Network. Go to bellyupsports.com. Click on the, the link. I mean, look it up. Google it. Uh, read the stories, listen to the shows, and you can catch us. Uh, we're changing our podcast platform from Spreaker to Megaphone. All right, so we're in transition now at Billy Up Sports, but you can catch our shows on all your favorite podcasting hosts like Apple Podcasts, your 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 platforms, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, and YouTube. Look, let's make this simple with all these playoff scenarios. If this team wins and if this team loses and this, all the teams have to worry about is winning the game in front of them, at least until what happened on Monday night. Um, you've got a little wrench thrown in there, but we'll get to that in a second. But you may not even get in even though you win. Just ask the New Orleans Saints. <laughs> but at least you did your part, right? Now, coming in as far as the AFC, you know, of as of last weekend, 
the Bills, the Chiefs, the Bengals, the Ravens, the Chargers, they're already in the NFC, right? And then you have the Eagles, Vikings, 49ers, and Cowboys, right? So who's left? The Buccaneers, the Giants, the Commanders, Seahawks, Lions, Packers, Panthers, and the Saints. <laughs> and then the AFC, you know, the Jaguars and the uh, the Dolphins, the Patriots, Jets, Titans, Steelers, right? So what happened? What happened after week 17 was all wrapped up? Well, let's review. Thursday night football, the final Thursday night football game of the regular season on Amazon Prime. I'm glad that got better and better and better. But this game, um, well, Cowboys at the Titans. They were here in town in Nashville last Thursday. Well, there was a unified opinion of this game here in Nashville. And it was basically this. Not as bad as we thought it was going to be. Figured they was going to lose unless you're a crazy Titans fan. Figured they was going to lose. But uh, it wasn't as bad as it was they thought it was. Josh Dobbs throws for over, what, 230-some-odd yards. And he actually looks like he's been around for a while. And, yeah, because he's been in the league for six years. And uh, although he hasn't thrown that many passes, the kid's a brainiac. Pick up an offense very, very quickly. I mean, you're talking about a telephone book, right? And as for the Cowboys, they picked up a W. Half of my FedEx station... You know, you got one, you got the select few that are Titans fans, but half of them seem to have been Cowboys fans. They was leaving left and right that night. One guy showed up for about two and a half hours before leaving to go to the game. Um, I'll say this at the end of it all, Dak Prescott, those turnovers, they're going to have you guys on the playoff couch if it isn't fixed. All right, moving on. Uh, Dolphins at the Patriots, moving to the further into the actual weekend. Miami Dolphins playoff hopes fading away. They're going bad. Um, they lost their fifth straight game. Of course, two attack of Iowa didn't play. He's in the concussion pro, uh, protocol for what, the third time. Teddy Bridgewater, he's playing pretty decently, and then he gets hurt. Then you got to see for the second time the third string quarterback, Skylar Thompson. It's a close game, but the Patriots beat. You know, they, they grinded out a 23-21 win. Saints at the Eagles. The Eagles, they're trying to get the number one overall seed in the NFC. And I had said that they were going to win that number one seed anyway. Well, of course, that wrench that was thrown in is Jalen Hurts being hurt, right? And uh, Gardner Minshew wasn't able to duplicate his, well, at least the play that he had against Dallas. They haven't won since Jalen Hurts went down. I mean, that's all you need to know. And Minshew to A.J. Brown had that 78-yard touchdown pass last week, and it brought the Eagles within three. But then you throw a pick six with five minutes and some change left to go in the fourth quarter. Put a ball in the game for the Saints. And unfortunately, New Orleans was still eliminated from the playoffs. The Eagles, they get one more shot in a couple of days to secure that one seed they have to beat the now playoff-bound New York Giants. Congratulations, New York. Um, sure, you know, should they lose, the Dallas Cowboys win this weekend. Washington, Dallas takes home the NFC East title. Go figure. Eagles, you got to win. Cardinals at the Falcons. All right, two teams that are just playing out the regular season, both of whom had quarterback issues. One has played three starters and to this point before that game kicked off, and the other one just decided to replace theirs. Well, that one team was the Arizona Cardinals, starting their fourth different quarterback in four weeks. Cliff Kingsbury can only do so much, and I think it's going to end up costing him his job anyway. Uh, but you remember David Blah from you know Detroit Lions? Uh, yeah, he's back after getting uh, cut at the end of that uh, you know the preseason with the Lions, and he shows up for the Cardinals. 
He actually has them in, within striking distance to win this game. But here we go. Uh, Young Hoku, yet another game-winning field goal for the Falcons at the end of the game. 2019 was the final. Bears at the line, Chicago, very talented quarterback. Him running for 1,000 yards and, and putting together some nice runs. During, I mean, that's great, and it is creative, but I think I need to see more creativity from the Bears going forward. I want to throw out there, yeah, they need some more pieces and stuff like that. Oh, everybody needs pieces. Um, the defense has to play better. The offensive line definitely has to play better. But the lines are serious. Honestly, I can't wait until next year. Uh, yeah, lines, they put it on the Bears. Broncos at the Chiefs, man, 15 straight losses. The Broncos, at least they put up a good fight. 15 straight times they've lost to the Chiefs. Russell Wilson, he ran for two touchdowns, threw for another, but it was another uh, another interception thrown that pretty much killed the Broncos' chances. I mean, I know they fans, the front office, the team, Russell Wilson, uh, you know, <laughs> They can't wait for this season to be over with, I'm pretty sure. If Patrick Mahomes starts, you know, he actually throws for five grand, 5,000 yards, five grand once again, and he's only one of three quarterbacks in history to do that multiple times. All right. Tom Brady and Drew Brees are the others. Great company. Colts at the Giants, uh, excuse me, yeah, Colts at the Giants. Giants, they just had to win, and they were in. Simple, right? The Kayvon Thibodeau, message. Please be a little bit more aware next time, bro. I mean, next I know you heard Nick Foles right next to you writhing in pain as you're doing snow angels with no snow. I mean, you gotta wake up, bro. But other than that, the Giants, they're in the playoffs. They yeah, 38 to 10. Uh your final for MetLife Stadium. And yeah, the Colts, they're not playoff bound. <laughs> they're far from it. And they'll be looking for a new head coach in the offseason. Uh, good luck. Panthers at the Buccaneers. Well, well, well. The battle for the NFC South. I was totally honest when I said that the Buccaneers last week did not look like a team whom deserved to win this division. I said it probably was going to be the Panthers. Well, this was the week of reckoning. This was the week that they were going to have to prove me wrong. And they did. They did. Uh, even though during the course of that game, it did not look very bright, that future <laughs> did not look very bright. Um, they took care of business. They were down what six plus with six plus minutes left to go in the fourth quarter. Brady throws 45 times once again, uh, 432 yards, three touchdowns, and all of those went to Mike Evans. If you had him in fantasy football, then you 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 had to have won, had to have won. Mike Evans, 10 catches, 207 yards, and three touchdowns. And that gave him 1,000 yards for the ninth straight season. And, of course, he's only been in the league nine years. Exactly. Steve Wilkes, he should get that, <clears throat> excuse me, Carolina job point blank period. He nearly got his squad, coached this squad into the playoffs when everyone outside of Carolina, you know the story if you kept up with the season, you know, you, you, you're giving away your best players, Christian McCaffrey, and you fired your coach. They were tanking. They were tanking, and they almost won the division. Yes, a losing record would win this, the NFC South, but, hey, what do you got? What else you got? You know, Browns at the Commanders, post-game pressure with Washington head coach Ron Rivera. He, apparently, he had no idea they could be eliminated if the, Path, uh, the Packers, the Green Bay Packers, beat the Vikings on Sunday. And it doesn't help when you lose 
at home against the Cleveland Browns. And I can spoil that Packers-Vikings game for you now, but let's just say the Commanders were eliminated on Sunday. Jaguars at Texans. Just to put it simple, a beatdown. First win in nine tries. You know, the track Jaguars first win in nine tries, and they made sure they put an explanation point. Texans, they're just waiting on their first pick of the NFL draft this year in a couple of months. Afternoon window, 49ers at Raiders. Did not expect that. Had no idea. I don't think anybody had any idea that this game was going to be that entertaining. Of course, you had David Carr, who had to, you know, they gave him, showed him a chair, right? Not only did they show David Carr the chair and Jared Stidham putting, uh, taking off the uh, the headset and giving away that clipboard, David Carr is in the round. <laughs> I don't, he wasn't even on the sideline, right? Correct me if I'm wrong. So, but uh, they played very well against the best defense in the league. And maybe I jinxed them. They gave up 34 points, having only average giving up 15 per game this season. Nobody's perfect. Uh, neither is Brock Purdy. He did have an interception on Sunday, but he's still steady, leading the 49ers offense. And that kid is impressive. But it does help when you have Christian McCaffrey and Brandon Ayuk and George Kittle, as well as that offensive line playing pretty solid. And, you know, your head coach isn't too shabby either. Kyle Shanahan, this guy, I, I, I love him. I love him as a head coach. He is a real head coach. Of course, the true surprise of the day, um, you know, he made the mistake, the big mistake in overtime, you know. Nick Bosa bulldozed Raiders left tackle Colton Miller and into Jared Stidham, who threw for 362 yards that game. <laughs> and uh, his uh, that interception in overtime pretty much sealed the deal. I mean, they kicked field goal and boom, bang, pow. That was it. Um, that was a surprise. But, of course, you know, he played up under Josh McDaniels, the offense from their days in New England. Just like Josh Dobbs, Stidium, Stidium, Stidium has been in the league for a little while. All right. He was unexpectedly good. But Raiders fans, no playoffs for you. Jets at Seahawks, simply put. Seattle beat the Jets at home 23-6. They kept their slim playoff hopes breathing. Jets, you're done. Vikings at the Packers. Sunday, it looked like the Packers were the 12-4 and team. And the Vikings were 8-8. Eight and eight. But it was the other way around. Green Bay has now won four straight. And they are one win away from making the playoffs with the extra Week 18 matchup against the Detroit Lions. That is a playoff game. We have an extra playoff game. Got a couple of those. Well, there's an extra playoff game this week, right? I'm not entirely sure. It just... But it just certainly looked like the Vikings took a week off. 41-17, you lost? Please do better. Rams at the Chargers. All right, so the Rams, y'all are getting ready for the offseason at this point. Chargers, it was great seeing what Austin Eckler was able to do. A thousand yard back. This guy uh, became only the fifth back in NFL history to catch 100 passes. He, at this point, has 103. He joins LT, LaDainian Thomason, who caught 100. Larry Sanders, multiple times. Uh, well, actually, not multiple. He had 101 back in the day. He had 90, about 90 plus. Another year, caught a lot of balls. Matt Forte for the Chicago Bears, remember him? He had 102. And the man who holds the record for the most receptions in the NFL season by a running back with 116 is none other than, uh, 
none other than Christian McCaffrey. I'm trying to move too fast. Sunday night football, I'm proud of my Steelers. Proud of my Steelers. Steelers at the Ravens. If nothing else, a team that started 2-6. and six. They're now on the cusp of making the playoffs. If they don't, I mean, I'm going to be honest with you, I don't care. Because they showed some improvement that they needed to show. This is how teams improve. We talked about the Steelers back in the 70s, right? They started off with one win. Then they went to five wins. Then they went to six wins. Then they won 10 games. And the next thing you know, a couple years later, they were winning the Super Bowl. Now, couldn't that be a little bit fast-forwarded now in 2023 during this coming up season? I mean, anything's possible. Just improve. That's all I want to see, some improvement. Defense is playing well. Offense is playing a lot better. So, I mean, there you go. Yes, we're playing against a backup quarterback. Yes, I understand that. But when you're playing against the Ravens defense and a John Harbaugh coached team, you know those games are never easy. I don't care what string quarterback is playing. So, Pittsburgh, they got just like the Packers, they have to win out. The ref screwed up the what the Cameron Haywood, uh, Hayward personal foul. Yeah, they screwed that up. Chris Boswell, he donks, donks a 48-yard field goal, which equaled the difference of seven whole points between the two teams. With that being said, in this rivalry, Terry Bradshaw once said about the Pittsburgh Steelers, if you say describe the Steelers defense, and they played it. They played it. Win this week, and the Steelers will be watching the AFC East next week. And they will be watching the AFC East like a hawk. Why? Because you have all of these teams all at the same time trying to get into the playoffs. You do have the Patriots, the Dolphins. All right, just, just, just make it simple. The Bills and the Jets fans, uh, they will be the Steelers fans will be Bills and Jets fans because they need those teams to beat the Patriots and Dolphins. That's how they get in. Anything is possible. Oh, and Najee Harris ran for 100 yards for the first time this season. It's about bleeping time. Also, Kenny Pickett, beautiful play on that touchdown pass to Najee to win the game. Monday Night Football, Bills at the uh, Bengals. We all know what happened. Um, the game was canceled because of the injury to DeMar Hamlin. And praise the Lord, this kid is getting better and better every day. Um, and there's no breathing tube. You know, his eyes are open. And uh, he's just improving better, more and more. And he's doing better and better every day. That's it. That's all I got to say. So, I mean, let's just see what happens, um, you know, with the end of the regular season coming up this weekend. Game start on Saturday, tomorrow, and uh, and also on Sunday. Um, you know, whatever happens, happens. Everything happens for a reason. We're just happy. So all I can do is speak for myself, for my show. I am just happy. The kid is alive and he's doing well. He's breathing. Coming up next, Brock Purdy. Yeah, he's been good heading into this postseason. But we just thought about the backup quarterbacks in history. I'm thinking about the guys, my favorite ones. A little look at a past that was filled with some backup quarterbacks in NFL history that actually played pretty well or became legends. This year, uh, like some others in the history of the league, you had a lot of injuries to starting quarterbacks across the board. We just talked about a lot of those 
teams. You have two of us gone down for many times. And his backup has gone down, Teddy Bridgewater. And you got to see the third string guy. Uh, like I said, we're talking about the San Francisco 49ers. Jimmy Garoppolo wasn't even the starter at the beginning of the season, thinking that he was going to be out of here at the end of last season. He ends up pretty much carrying the 49ers because who got hurt? Trey Lance. <laughs> He's gone for the season because he got hurt. And now Garoppolo, what breaks a foot, and then you enter Mr. Irrelevant himself, Brock Purdy, who's playing just as well as any starter. And it just seems to me like the San Francisco 49ers are always prepared. You know, they have a history of really good backups that go on to play pretty well at least. And, uh, I mean, it's just great to see. Um, but And look at the Arizona Cardinals. You know, for the umpteenth time, well, at least the second time, I believe it was, Kyler Murray gets hurt, and then, you know, he, he tears a knee. And they're on their fourth quarterback. Four weeks, they've started four different guys. And that's that's crazy. But you, you always said football – Injuries are part of the game. You know that. That's simply put. Um, and the most important position in football is quarterback. The most important position in sports is quarterback. Period. In football, it's the quarterback. And without that quarterback being good, at least good, he's got to be capable. Your team is pretty much toast. All right? Unless they just happen to have a decent year. Backups, though. They're backups for a reason. Simply put, they're not as good as the current starter. Uh, and if life as well as sports proves, uh, it, it's, it doesn't matter if you're the first uh, pick of the draft or not drafted at all. Some players, if given the chance, prove to be more than what experts thought. Again, the 49ers, like I said, you have Brock Purdy, who's the last pick of the draft. He steps up and he does so much for this offense and just maintaining it. Yes, you got to break bring pieces in there. One thing that got me into sports was one of these arguments we had as kids. And, you know, I was told, I'm just I'm not going into detail that this player wouldn't be doing doing nothing without that player. Well, what's the point of the draft? What's the point of free agency? What's the point of of, you know, teams bringing guys in? Yes, there are some special guys out there and that's what you need. But you also have to have other ones that's going. It's, it's a team sport. We talk about team sports. One is not successful without the other. All right. Like I said, the 49ers situation, Trey Lance to Jimmy Garoppolo, now Brock Purdy, but they're still winning. And that's pretty good. So, you know, you look at it, Garoppolo, uh, who has not only a winning record with San Francisco, just got down, you know, went down multiple playoff appearances and even got the 49ers to the Super Bowl. This was Tom Brady's backup for the longest, uh, for you know, for a couple years, and he was a lot better, true, truly better than a backup. He was able to be a competent starter, and he earned some money. Even though people have their uh, their opinions of him and saying that you know, all right, you know, he's not a guy to set the world on fire. No, he's not Patrick Mahomes. He's not, but he's a capable starter nonetheless. So you know, you have this guy. Uh, you know, he said he breaks his foot and then you insert Brock Purdy. San Francisco has that history, like I said, of drafting pretty well, going all the way back to Bill Walsh's days. Joe Montana wasn't exactly drafted to be the next guy. Remember, Bill Walsh wanted uh, Phil Sims. <laughs> That's what he wanted. But Phil went in the first round to the Giants. And they was like, Phil who? 
uh, and they brought they had Steve DeBerg already, and Joe takes over eventually. You had some pretty good backups like Matt Cavanaugh and Steve Young, and Steve Young's in the Hall of Fame. What does that tell you? Steve Bono, just to name a few. And you know you have to be able to maintain a team with a backup quarterback uh, in some shape, form, or fashion. And even while Kyle Shanahan has been there, uh, you've had guys like C.J. Beathard and Nick Mullins to save the day. But we're going to work our way a little bit backwards. Might as well start, even if you don't believe it, with the GOAT. Tom Brady, still playing at the age of 46. These are my favorites, okay? Still playing at the age of 46. 20 years with the New England Patriots. Yet, yeah, no, Tom Brady is not a backup quarterback, but he was at one point. I love his story. Uh, pick 199, you know it. Sixth round of the 2000 NFL Draft out of Michigan. Week three, gets the New York Jets. Bledsoe, Drew Bledsoe, was the starter and just got a really big check. And Mo Lewis pretty much ended all of that uh, by knocking him out of bounds, which caused that internal bleeding. Uh, the guy comes back into the game, right? If you don't remember the story, because and, and you, you see that uh, he's not exactly coherent when he goes back into the huddle he's on the sideline talking to tom brady and the other backup and they're like we probably got to get this guy out of the game because drew bledsoe is asking what the check me check with me's are and obviously he was done <laughs> so eventually of course tom brady gets inserted and uh, ends up being the starter going forward and his first playoff start against the Oakland Raiders the tough rule game they win that one 16 to 13 they beat the Pittsburgh Steelers in the AFC Championship game then they upset the St. Louis Rams who were favored by 14 points he's a backup remember the rest as you know is history of course Tom Brady still playing he's in his 23rd season and he's pretty much regarded as the best quarterback of all time you never know what you got 15 time pro bowler Seven-time Super Bowl champ, five-time Super Bowl MVP, three-time All-Pro, and a lock for the Pro Football Hall of Fame. I just wish he would stop tearing up Microsoft tablets. I'm also waiting for them to have him in their commercials just to show how tough the Microsoft tablet is. But my other one is a guy that he beat in that first Super Bowl, Kurt Warner. Uh, you know, eventual Pro Football Hall of Famer, he was stocking groceries for five bucks an hour, uh, an hour after being released from the Green Bay Packers as an undrafted free agent in 1994. Of course, he went on to be an Arena League star and was actually a teammate of a quarterback to be named on this list with the Amsterdam Admirals. He made his name with the Iowa Barnstormers, though. So Warner ends up signing with the St. Louis Rams in 98, and he was third string. The next year, in 99, the Rams, they brought in Trent Green. You remember this guy? He eventually tore up his knee in the preseason. And this happens. Warner is named the starter for that 99 season. And not everybody's really thrilled with that. But <laughs> he leads the Rams to the Super Bowl. And uh, that first Super Bowl, they beat the Tennessee Turns. All right, I'm sorry. I'm a Nashvilleian. And all I remember is stepping out. Um, of my apartment the day after that Monday after the Super Bowl and seeing Kevin Dyson's arm extended while Mike Jones has tackled him right at the one yard line that hurt <laughs> that hurt so I mean you know he made uh, he was an all pro that season his second year in the league all pro okay 
Um, and the, to his first three years, uh, as a starter of the league, he's, you know, all, and he would take the Rams and then later the Arizona Cardinals as well to the Super Bowl. Kurt Warner, four-time Pro Bowler, two-time All-Pro, Super Bowl 34 MVP. Not bad for perhaps the greatest undrafted player in NFL history. Two Super Bowl appearances with two classic losses, though, when he did do his job. Now, the other one, the one that he was a teammate of, Jake DeLome. How many, raise your hands if you remember Jake DeLome, kids. You, you remember? Hey, you do? All right, yeah, that's the guy I'm talking about. Number 17, played with the Carolina Panthers. Well, he's, this was actually the first guy that I thought about when I decided to do this show. All right, so DeLome, he played for the Carolina Panthers for 13 years. Uh, and in the team's 27-year history, the Panthers have nine playoff wins, all right? And that DeLome was starter for five of those playoff wins. So, but here's the year that sticks out the most. DeLome, Louisiana-born, played at Southwestern Louisiana. Now, you, I think it's Louisiana University um, or the University of Louisiana. He spent his first two seasons with the New Orleans Saints, starting a grand total of two games. Yeah. And then you go to 2003. That season really started it all. Rodney Pete, who was pretty much towards the end of his career, right? Pete, you remember him as the Detroit Lions quarterback for a couple of years? He played with the with, with the Detroit Lions and the Eagles, and yeah. Uh, so he was replaced by DeLome at halftime, week one, the first game of the season, and DeLome ends up leading them not only to that week two, week one victory against the Jacksonville Jaguars, but the Panthers finished with an 11 and five. Record. They won the NFC South. They reached the Super Bowl. Stop me if you heard this before. Okay, but it helps if you remember, you know, back to the team that he had. On offense, he had Pro Bowl running back Steven Davis. Had one of the ugliest numbers in pro football. I'm sorry, Steven. Number 48 is not sexy. All right. It's not on a football. It's not good. <laughs> he had over 1,400 yards rushing, eight touchdowns, and he teamed up with Deshaun Foster. Remember him out of UCLA? That dude was fast. Steve Smith Sr., Moosin Muhammad, and then you also had Ricky Pro, who was one of those greatest show on turf receivers for the Rams back a couple years earlier. Defensively, you got Mike Rucker, Chris Jenkins, and yeah, Julius Peppers. Jake DeLome and the Panthers, they came up a little bit short in Super Bowl 38 playing a classic against Tom Brady and the New England Patriots. So with the, what, one minute and eight seconds left, uh, DeLome, he throws a touchdown pass that tied the score at 29, and they were down as many as 11 points in the fourth quarter. And of course, it was Adam Vinatieri, once again, game-winning uh, 41-yard field goal with, what, four seconds left or whatnot. Not bad for a backup quarterback. He went on to pass for over 20,000 yards. As a matter of fact, in that Super Bowl, he threw for over 200 yards, if I remember correctly, uh, uh, just in the fourth quarter alone. You know, he lit him up. Um, but he threw for over 20,000 yards in his career. He made the Pro Bowl in 2005, and he's in the Carolina Panthers Hall of Honor. Now, outside of twice losing to Eli Manning and the New York Giants, the only other quarterback 
that beat Tom Brady and the Patriots in the Super Bowl was none other than Nick Foles. Now, Foles was a third-round pick out of Arizona, right? Kayvon Thibodeau should know who he is, Mr. Snow Angel. Uh, and uh, He was selected in the third round by the Eagles in 2012. His first full year as a starter, he started 10 of the 13 games that he had played in. The guy made the Pro Bowl, you know, back during the days where Chip Kelly was the head coach of the Eagles shortly. He threw 27 touchdowns and only two interceptions. Led the league in yards per attempt as well as the quarterback rate. That's all so important, right? That's pretty good for, you know, a guy that's bouncing around to St. Louis after that and to Kansas City. And he finds himself back in Philly in 2017 with a new head coach, though, Doug Peterson. He knows what he's doing. Well, Foles spent his lone city in uh, – wow, Foles spent his lone city in uh, – city – Long season in Kansas City. I'm so sorry. The Eagles had selected Carson Wentz in 2016, second overall in the first round. And his second season in 2017 was going very, very well. A lot of people would say he should have won NFL MVP. Had he not, tore up his knee in week 14. Um, Foles was back. You're back up, buddy. You're the starter again. And he was the starter for the remainder of the season, helping finish the Eagles season as NFC East champs and then NFC champs and then go into Super Bowl 52 again the New England Patriots and Tom Brady falls one game MVP he went 28 of 43 for 373 yards three touchdowns and even a touchdown catch Philly special anyone all right uh here's some quick hitters so another one of my favorites was Jeff Hostetler I mean, I was mad at the guy for beating the Bills. But, you know, this was a guy who was a fourth rounder out of West Virginia back in 1984. Now, he was upset. If you watch um, America's game, the Super Bowl, it was the 1990 New York Giants. Jeff Hosteller was one of the people that they interviewed, you know, for that show. And he was sounded like he was still upset that he didn't get a chance to play a lot. I mean, Phil Sims was the guy. He was Bill Parcells' starting quarterback, period. I mean, I would be a little upset because he worked his butt off real hard, uh, especially back in 86 when the Giants won it all. He had to dress in street clothes and sit in the stands, not even getting to be on the sideline, at least with a helmet on. Jeff Rutledge was the backup uh, at, the, at that point, so that meant your boy was third string maybe even fourth but I'm, I'm throwing it out there i'm sorry but i mean i'd be a little upset too but he did get some chances to play um and he even played special teams he blocked a punt uh he was playing receiver and things like that uh i think he returned a couple of kicks but this was a guy who didn't get his shot until in 1990 during that season it was the second time that phil sims got hurt and I think he had like a really bad foot sprain towards the end of the season and not only does Hostetler come in and take over as a starter because he didn't even believe that Sims was hurt so if you listen to him tell the story did not believe that Sims was hurt he's like ah come on Sims you know I'm gonna go in there take a couple of snaps and then you're gonna pop back in the huddle you know but that's not what happened Sims was done for the season and it was his show um not only do they go through the playoffs beating going to the NFC championship game going to San Francisco still pains me to say that 
and beating the 49ers who were looking to three-peat. He played well. Played well in the Super Bowl as well against the Buffalo Bills. And Giants fans still thank God every day that uh, <laughs> Scott Norwood missed that kick that would have won it all for the Bills. Would have won it all. And Jeff Hostetler made plays, including one, when he should have been sacked for a possible either a safety, really a touchdown. I still don't know how that ball did not come out of his hands when Bruce Smith grabbed his wrist trying to bring him down. And I mean, that's probably the biggest play of the game. Biggest play of the game. He's one of my favorites. Now, Jim Plunkett, a little different with Jim Plunkett. Number one overall pick by the New England Patriots back in 1971 out of Stanford. Mr. Heisman Trophy man himself. Traded to San Francisco in 76. Picked up by Oakland in 78. Didn't even play in 79. 1980. Still is a backup. This one to the Houston Oilers former starting quarterback. Now the starter in Oakland Dan Pastorini. Pastorini suffers a fractured leg with uh, what? Week 5 against the Kansas City Chiefs. It didn't start off good at all. In that game, Plunkett goes in and he's 20 of 52. 238 yards, two touchdowns. He throws five interceptions that day. So I'm sure they were scratching their heads. I'm like, all right, I don't know about this guy. And some of them probably was like, I think he can do it. I don't know. And he, he stayed in there. Head coach Tom Flores, obviously, you know, between him and, uh, you know, Darth Vader himself. <laughs> My man Al Davis, I'm sure they made, they came to an agreement. Okay, so Plunk is going to be the starter going forward. And he had a strong finish. And uh, the Raiders, they under Plunkett as the starter, finished with a 9 2 record with him as the starter. Um, and they got to the playoffs. They won four playoff games uh, against the Houston Oilers, the Cleveland Browns. Yeah, the Cardiac Kids, the San Diego Chargers in the AFC Championship game. And an upset victory against the Philadelphia Eagles, who they lost to earlier in that season, 10-7. And um, if you listen to John Facenda, he says that Plunkett was sacked eight times in that game. But Super Bowl? Oh, yeah. In New Orleans, Super Bowl 15? I, they weren't having it. The Raiders weren't having it. Oakland became the first wildcard team to win the Super Bowl. And Plunkett, who had already become, he had become the first Hispanic drafted number one overall in 71. He was the first Hispanic. He also became the first Latino to win the Super Bowl and game MVP through for 261 yards and three touchdowns. And he had to ended up having to come back and start some more. Of course, they won a second Super Bowl in, in uh, 1983. And he played pretty well, but it was the Marcus Allen show that game. That it was, you know, 191 yards rushing, but Plunkett goes from a, a dependable starter to a backup, and he ended up pretty much redeeming his career. Uh, but my favorite guy, my, my one of my favorites, we, we had to go old school, was Earl Morrill. Earl Morrill, he was a first round pick out of Michigan State. Okay, uh, this is back in 1956, and I'm going to my papers for this one, most definitely. He was already traded after it. This was kind of like showing him what kind of career he's going to end up having. And he was ended up with his second team already. In 57, he was with the Pittsburgh Steelers. And he was a pro bowler that second year. 
Then he ends up playing for the Detroit Lions and then the New York Giants. And in 68, he's traded to the Baltimore Colts. And so the crazy part is, is that Johnny Unitas, you know he's the man. He's the backup to Johnny Unitas, who was the best quarterback in the league and the GOAT by the time he retired, uh, you know, going fast forward into the 70s. But he's the backup to the man, right? Well, the man got hurt in preseason. Preseason, he tore up his elbow, some ligaments in his elbow when he got hit. And so head coach Don Shula said, well, Earl, you the man. What does Earl Morrill do as a backup quarterback? And, and here's the thing. He was playing uh, with the Detroit Lions and the, and the New York Giants. Yeah, he got traded out of Pittsburgh because the coach wanted Bobby Lane, who had played for Detroit. That's how he ended up in Detroit. Another Hall of Fame quarterback. He gets traded to the New York Giants, and he's playing backup to Fran Tarkenton, who just came in from the Minnesota Vikings the first time. It was the first stint with the Vikings, and then he ended up with the New York Giants. And then my man Earl Moore had to sit the bench. He's riding the pine. Well, night in 1968, he won, he won the NFL MVP in 68. Yes, they went 13-1 in the regular season. They were the NFL champs. They beat the Cleveland Browns 34-0 in the championship game. And then they're going into Super Bowl three against the New York Jets. They were like, what, a 17-point favorite in that game? I, I Look, I understand, and I'm not trying to throw shade here, but they lost. And he ended up getting pulled towards the end of the game. And United actually was leading them to points. But never fear, Morrow would redeem himself in more ways than one. Okay, That was a year he probably would want to forget. His best year as a pro was 1968. There was no other better year that he had. Well, by 1970, he found redemption. He's still with the Colts, but he's a backup again. Johnny Unitas is back at the helm, and he's doing his thing. They reached the Super Bowl again. Super Bowl five, the 1970 uh, Baltimore Colts. They're in there, and uh, in the second quarter, guess who gets hurt again? Yes, Johnny Unitas. He gets hit. I can't remember if it was Jethro Pugh or Chuck Howley, whoever hit him. They, they pretty much bruised his ribs pretty bad. Now, my man comes in. And, uh, of course, everybody knows the story. A couple of seasons, you know, before, three seasons before, he was the guy who was supposed to lead them to, you know, a championship. And they were supposed to be the greatest team of all time at that point. Talking about those Baltimore Colts in the history of the league, the short history of the league. And they ended up with the worst upset. Well, the Jets pulled off the greatest upset. That's a better way to say it, right? And he was the quarterback, and he throws some interceptions that just did not make sense. We'll just leave it at that. But he, they ended up winning Super Bowl five with him there at quarterback. Yes, it was uh, the defense that pulled out uh, some turnovers, and he was handing the football off a lot. He went seven to fifteen, kind of modest day. I think he had uh, like 147 yards passing. Didn't have a touchdown, but I mean, it was what it was. But he helped lead that team to. A game-winning uh, field goal, as well as some touchdown drives, some scoring drives, and then that was about it. Uh, but here we go, three three more seasons later, two years later, 
In 72, he ends up with the Miami Dolphins. And he's again with Don Shula, who had left to go, you know, after the 69 season, left the Baltimore Colts to take the job in Miami. Well, Bob Greasy, another Pro Football Hall of Fame quarterback. Isn't this crazy? Another one. Uh, week five against the San Diego Chargers. Deacon Jones makes a mean tackle on him that not only dislocates Bob Greasy's ankle, but he ends up with a fractured bone in his right leg. All right, Earl, hey, it's your turn again, man. You're up. All they do is go 9-0. and That was the 72 Dolphins that went undefeated. They were already four, at 4-0. Four so, you know, they finished the regular season undefeated, right? Undefeated. And, well, let's just say that it didn't exactly end the way Earl Moore wanted to with him as the Super Bowl winning, uh, you know, earning his ring as being the starter again. That's not how it ended up. Well, you had a, a really good team because you had the no-name defense. You know, you had Nick Bonacani and Dick Anderson, Bill Stanfield and Fern Danherter, Jake Scott, Manny Fernandez and all those guys. And offensively, you had a great offensive line. Uh, with Bob Kuchenberg and Larry Little, guys like that. And then you have 2,000-yard running backs. This helps when you're a backup quarterback. You have Larry Zonka and Murky Morris, you know, and Paul Warfield at receiver. You have some Hall of Fame guys and some really good backs like, you know, uh, Jim Kick as well as Mercury Morris. So, you know, they go and finish this regular season out. They go into the playoffs. Now, we talked about Franco Harris and the Immaculate Reception. We just had the 50th anniversary, what, last week or whatnot. Well, the, the game after that was the AFC Championship game. I mean, the whole setup was a lot different. And you think you're mad now about home field advantage. You try to be undefeated, and you got to go to Pittsburgh. And that's exactly what the Miami Dolphins had to do. They were playing in Pittsburgh. At halftime, the game was tied at seven. Tied at seven, and Don Shula actually did the unthinkable. A quarterback that he depended on. A quarterback that had gotten to two championships, but well, at least one championship. I don't know, I'll just say two. He got him to the championship game <laughs> in 68. And they're at the, in the AFC championship game behind this guy's arm. I mean, Earl Morrow had to hear some words he did not agree with at halftime, but said, I'll go with it. Shula decided to pull Earl Morrow at halftime and play Bob Greasy, who was again healthy. So, I mean, go figure. You think that uh, Greasy was the quarterback the whole season? Mm -mm. That's not what happened. Uh, Morrow was the quarterback for most of that season. I went years without knowing that as a kid. And just, you know, when I watched those Super Bowl memories, I didn't pay attention to the regular season stuff, you know. But then when I found that out, I'm like, oh, oh, really? Oh, man. Darn, Bob Greasy was, you know, so. I mean, but that's what it was. They ended up winning that game 21-17. to It was a nice, you know, tight game in Pittsburgh. They just weren't there yet. Not just yet. But in the end, Earl Morrill played 21 seasons of professional football. Kind of a virtual Tom Brady, because he was, what, 38, I think, at the time that um, that, uh, that 72 season. So he had been around for a minute. Six teams he played for. Got three rings. Three of them. And he was MVP in 68, comeback player of the year in 1972, and a two-time first-team All-Pro and two-time Pro Bowl. How about that? How about that? Now, I don't know if Brock Purdy is going to do that. 
time will tell just how good this kid would be. He's only played, what, four or five games? So, I mean, he's one of the few in history to win his first couple of starts. Um, but uh, he's with good company. And, you know, it kind of begs the question, you know, when you have a quarterback that plays that well, there's going to be teams that are really going to be looking at him, especially if they're not satisfied with the star that they already have. So that's it. References. Thank you to ESPN.com, ProFootballHallOfFame.com, StatMuse.com, ProFootballReference.com. Also, we got an article by Sam Robinson. It was headlined at YardBarker.com. The greatest backup quarterbacks in NFL history. That was pretty good. Pretty good article. Also, the New York Times. This was by Thomas Rogers back in October 16th of 1972. Greasy hurt, moral excels. Yeah, that was pretty good. Uh, the athletic NFL playoff pitcher at week 17. What's at stake for the Dolphins, Giants, Commanders, and more? This was written by Aaron Rice or Reese and Austin Mock, December 29th. Uh, 2022, I almost said 1922. <laughs> Not that old. Also, the Charlotte Observer exclusive Jake DeLome on life, football, and his similarities with Baker Mayfield. This written by Jake Fowler, November 16th, 2022. This has been the Behind the Mic podcast. Yeah, a little clunky first show, but we'll do better and better. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for joining me. Uh, I am your host, Michael Neal Jr. The show is presented by Belly Up Sports and also the Belly Up Sports Podcast Network. BellyUpSports.com. Yes, Spreaker is on its way out. Megaphone is on its way in as our home base. But also, you can catch us on all those podcast platforms such as Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, Stitcher, iHeartRadio. And you have a lot of shows on YouTube. Thank you for listening. And, uh, I need you to tell your family and your friends about my show. I do work for Federal Express, and I will find out where you live if you don't listen. I'm out.